The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the program for this Wednesday, June 15th, 2016 edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I broadcast Monday to Friday, that's weekdays, and on Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on WINB. Hey, and to find out more ways to listen, including the podcast and the new customized Weekend Vigilante app, which, by the way, I am getting some really good feedback on, you can go to the Listen tab on the menu at weekendvigilante.com. And I wanted to bring to everyone's attention, we have made a couple of changes on the Weekend Vigilante website. When you go to the menu, you can click on Radio Archives. There's a drop-down menu now that has two extra tabs. One is Deliverance Radio. That's an archive of all the Deliverance broadcasts that have Deliverance Prayer on them and Sheila's Sermons. So that's on the drop-down menu there. A lot of people were asking if there was an easy way to find the archives for the Deliverance Show. So I think you're going to be very blessed by that. Now, if you are using the Weekend Vigilante app, don't forget when you first open the app, if you see down along the bottom, there's some little icons there. One is a radio, one is a newspaper, of course, headlines. If you go to the far right, there's a little plus button. When you click on that, in the middle, there's two little people there and it's there's a plus sign on it. That is a direct link to my social media. The podcast direct link is on that page, just so you know. So you'll see very quickly. Go to the app, go to the bottom corner to the far right, click on that plus. You'll see the little two people with the plus over their head. Click on that and you'll see direct links to Facebook, Twitter, Google+. And there's kind of a weird looking symbol that's just next to the Facebook. That's a direct link to my podcast. So do take advantage of the app. And we're making a couple more changes to it. I'm telling you, it's just such an easy, convenient way to have everything in one easy, convenient area. So play around with the app. And again, I hope you really do enjoy it. If you have not already done so, please add me on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Those icons are at the top right of my website. And sign up for my free e-newsletter. I wanted to get one out today, but it looks like it's going to come out Friday of this week. There's a lot of updates. So do sign up for my free e-newsletter. Well, my guest Derek Gilbert is going to be joining me momentarily, but in the meantime, I do want to cover some points. Of course, we see in the news the Ramadan roundup continues. We saw yesterday the whole Amarillo, Texas Walmart shooting, the Muslim terrorist that took hostages at a Texas Walmart in Amarillo. A SWAT team ended up killing him. And then yesterday, A Muslim terrorist killed French cops saying he was pledging allegiance to ISIS, killing infidels in his home. We see now Belgium is on high alert regarding Islamic State threats. We don't know how many cities that ISIS plans to attack. There's lists of now of over a thousand targets. Of course, the military speaking on how ISIS terror cells are operating through the U.S. could be 
choosing their next targets. There's a stunning story over there at Breitbart. Hillary Clinton received secret memo stating Obama admins support for ISIS. So we have classified intelligence reports stating that Hillary Clinton received a classified intelligence report that the Obama administration was actively supporting al-Qaeda in Iraq. We now know that the Orlando shooter did not use an AR-15 rifle despite all this talking bobbleheaded media false reports. They're spin-doctoring this. What is with the mainstream media's obsession with the AR-15 rifle? Perhaps we should ask Hillary Clinton about why her and her gun-grabbing cronies, why do they always want to go after the multi-shot firearms? The rifle actually used by the Islamic terrorist in Orlando was not an AR-15, but instead a SIG MCX. So, you know, here we go with this absolute obsession with AR-15s. Well, we all know what that's all about. So you've got all that insanity folding. But meanwhile, back in Washington, the United Nations saying today, we need more aggressive gun control. Oh, and guess who else is saying that? The head of Homeland Security agrees we need stiff sanctions on guns. This is Alice in Wonderland meets Twilight Zone lunacy gone off the rails. And you know, of course, some of you may have heard Obama's impressive speech. I don't know if anybody heard this, but well, let's take a listen to the soundbite because this is something else. I want you to pay close attention to what he says here. Let's take a listen. The main contribution of some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have made in the fight against ISIL is to criticize this administration and me for not using the phrase radical Islam. That's the key, they tell us. We can't beat ISIL unless we call them radical Islamists. What exactly would using this label accomplish? Calling a threat by a different name does not make it go away. This is a political distraction. Since before I was president, I've been clear about how extremist groups have perverted Islam to justify terrorism. Not once has an advisor of mine said, man, if we really use that phrase, we're going to turn this whole thing around. Not once. So if someone seriously thinks that we don't know who we're fighting, if there's anyone out there who thinks we're confused about who our enemies are, there's no magic to the phrase radical Islam. Up until this point, this argument about labels has mostly just been partisan rhetoric. And that kind of yapping has not prevented folks across government from doing their jobs. But we are now seeing how dangerous this kind of mindset and this kind of thinking can be. We're starting to see where this kind of rhetoric and loose talk and sloppiness about who exactly we're fighting where this can lead us. We now have proposals from the presumptive Republican nominee for President of the United States to bar all Muslims from emigrating to America. We hear language that singles out immigrants and suggests entire religious communities are complicit in violence. Okay, I've heard enough of that. Okay, so pay attention to what he said there. We're just perverting Islam. He says that's the key they tell us. We can't beat ISIL until we call them radical Islam. We're just arguing semantics. 
He says, what exactly would using this label, radical Islam, what would that prove? I'm sorry, what did you say? I want to repeat this. It's just people perverting Islam. We're labeling these poor, innocent people. How dare you, Sheila, label peaceful Islam? And I want to point out something else he said. If there's anyone out there that's confused about who our enemies are, why don't you tell us, Barry, who are our enemies? I'm not confused. I know who my enemy is, but we're not on the same team, pal. He says it's just rhetoric. Quit your yapping, your sloppy loose talk. That's dangerous, dangerous rhetoric. And then he goes on to talk about Donald Trump. He won't say his name. He doesn't have the kahunas to actually say his name. Donald Trump is singling out Muslims. Um, yeah, that's right. We don't want radical Islam. Look at Garland, Texas last year. Look what's been happening during Ramadan. Muslims don't belong in the West. I'm sorry, folks, but everything about their culture is not conducive to our culture. We're a Christian nation. Let's all live side by side. That is wrong thinking. You might as well go buy one of those coexist bumper stickers. This is Saul Alinsky playbook meets absolute mind control. Everyone should go get a copy of that Rules for Radicals. This is beyond crazy. They're intentionally coddling Islamic terrorists, yet good God-fearing, patriotic, conservative Christians. We're being treated like cannon fodder. This is deliberate, methodical, and it's carefully crafted. I can't believe that he can get away with what he just said here today. You got to go back and listen to this a a few times. And I'm going to tell you something very important for you to consider here, because I've been getting a lot of emails on, well, Sheila, most Muslims are just peace-loving people, really. The assertion that the majority of Muslims just want to live in peace is entirely irrelevant. All that fluff narrative, that's supposed to make us feel warm and fuzzy as these barbaric butchers rampage across the world in the name of Islam, advancing the cause of jihad. Communist Russia wanted to live in peace. 30 million murdered. Communist China, 70 million murdered. Look at Idi Amin. I brought it up yesterday on the show with Steve, the butcher of Uganda. And let's not forget the Cambodian communist leader Pol Pot, that regime where 2 million died, Stalin, Soviet Union genocide, 60 million, and don't get me started on Hitler. The point being, so-called peace-loving majority, they were all silent. It's always the fanatics that threaten our way of life. Islam has infiltrated America at the highest levels of government. They've permeated our schools, forcing Islamic prayer and teaching Sharia law. Yet the Lord's Prayer, that's offensive? In a so-called Christian nation, this is madness. And it's up to us to ensure that history doesn't repeat itself and stop these lawless lunatics. They are butchers. They're barbarians. And I'm calling Christians to pray like never before. But we have to also act. Silence and shoulder shrugging is absolutely unacceptable here. And this political correctness, it's, it's to a point where we're, we're just diluting everything. And dilution's no solution here. We're at war for our freedom. And we can't just be in this dystopic fog where we're just sheep led to the slaughter, 
letting the media talking bobbleheads, hey, they're going to tell you what they want you to think. Look at it, people. We have a guy who has ties to ISIS, DHS, CIA, FBI. The family has Islamic terrorist ties. I mean, these are pretty big, bold facts. And yet the current administration's pushing gun control. Folks, Islam has the violence problem. Paris, Brussels, ISIS killing thousands. And now it's here in the U.S. of A. And like it or not, Donald Trump has the right idea. You ship these Muslims back to their countries of origin. You ban Islam. You outlaw these radicals. Deport them all. Jimmy Carter stopped Muslim immigration. He shipped the Muslims out of the U.S. During the Great Depression, President Hoover, he ordered the deportation of illegal aliens in order to make jobs available to American cities that desperately needed the work. Harry Truman, same thing. He deported over 2 million illegals after World War II to create jobs for returning vets. And he did it again in 54. Dwight Eisenhower followed suit 2.1 million Mexican nationals. Go look up Operation Wetback. We're going to continue to see bloody violence like what carried out by a radical Muslim like Omar Mateen, who, by the way, did pledge to support ISIS. And yet all these Twitter accounts ablaze and blogs ablaze, Black Lives Matter leaders stirring the pot, race baiting. How dare Christians pray for LGTB since Christians incite violence and hate with our prayers. I've got Christians, so-called Christians, emailing me. Sheila, you're castigating these people. You're vilifying Islam. Really? And why isn't this imam that says gays must be killed out of compassion, why is he not locked up? It's just, it's absolute madness. Well, and to weigh in on some of the facts that have come out of the case is my guest today, and I want to welcome him to the program for the first time, and hopefully many more. I was on Skywatch TV back in March to talk about my book, Green Gospel, and it was very enjoyable. We did several interviews. I did them with Derek and his wife, Sharon. And let me tell you, these are a pair of smart cookies, which is why they're at Skywatch. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the program for the first time, and hopefully, like I said, many more to come, Derek Gilbert. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, Sheila, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's an honor to have you on. And for the new listeners who are maybe not familiar with your work, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. I have a background in broadcasting, got involved in radio broadcasting while I was still in college, which was, uh, I'm old enough now to say 35 years ago, but uh, I, I went in a direction different from what I wanted to. I mean, it's kind of weird. When I was a kid, like nine, 10 years old, and my normal friends were listening to top 40 radio growing up, I would go to bed at night with a little AM radio under the pillow listening to uh, talk show hosts, because I always found those a lot more interesting than listening to uh, disco or whatever. But when you're 20 and you're starting out in radio, nobody wants to hire a talk show host who's 20 years old because you don't know anything yet. So uh, I wound up gravitating toward, um, well, top 40. I mean, it's the one thing you can do when you're 20 and you can, you know, dress up a little bit. Uh, you know, they can put you out there in front of teen teenage girls and, and uh, sell the lifestyle. Um, eventually came to realize that the lifestyle I was helping promote is not one I wanted my child to live. So um, that's condensing about, um, you know, 10 or 12 years of life into, into the span of uh, half a minute. So <laughs> got out of broadcasting in the early 90s and then got back in in 2006, had my midlife crisis, and I had to go back into radio just to prove to myself that I could do it, I guess. Or, or maybe it was the Lord just, you know, saying, here, I want you to do this to get some more training. 
Sharon and I had started the podcast PID Radio in 2005, and I used audio from that to land a job as a talk show host on a typical conservative talk radio station. So it was uh, Sean Hannity and uh, Michael Savage and uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly and then me hosting the local segment in the afternoon. Did that for 18 months, long enough to remember why I'd left radio in the first place. Low pay, long hours, no job security, uh, et cetera. Went back into sales. We continued doing PID radio, then launched the uh, interview podcast, A View from the Bunker, and um, just prayed for a way that the Lord would... uh, uh, the Lord would show us a way to allow us to do it as a full-time ministry. We began writing uh, the the interviews that we did over the years with people like Tom Horn and L.A. Marzulli and Russ Dizdar and other folks in this sort of alternative Christian milieu that, uh, well, that you're in as well, uh, led to an opportunity to start doing interviews at prophecy conferences in 2011. And, and that kind of gradually led to where we are today. About a year and a half ago, Tom Horn said, well, we're, we're launching this new media ministry called Skywatch TV, and we'd love you to be a part of it. And uh, so we prayed about it. And once we found out, especially that it was tied to another ministry called Whispering Ponies Ranch that Tom and Nita Horn are just launching now to use miniature horses, to use therapy dogs as, as therapy animals, to help heal broken and abused children. We said, well, we just have to be a part of this. So picked up stakes and moved to the Ozarks. And um, now I host a daily news update on Skywatch TV every Friday. Sharon and I host a program taking a look at science called Sci Friday. And then the uh, the weekly 30-minute program, which is broadcast on a number of uh, Christian television stations and networks around the country. And um, it's it's just been a blessing. And, and not just doing the work here, but living in the Ozarks, living out in the country, which is a real change for a kid who was born and raised in Chicago. It's just wonderful. I, I can't. I, somebody asked me a few weeks ago if you could design your perfect job, what would it look like? And I said exactly what I'm doing right now. Wow. Well, my dad always said, Derek, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Amen. Well, and you know, Derek, when I was at Skywatch TV, one of the things that I really noticed, I've never seen this before with a group, is the camaraderie. You know, everybody's having fun. You're dealing with a lot of very serious issues, but. Everybody really is a team, but it's more than that. It's like you're one big family. We had a lot of fun joking around. <laughs> yeah, and it's a joy that uh, comes from knowing that the Lord has has known the end from the beginning. It's it's not that we take any of this stuff lightly. Otherwise, you know, I'd be making a lot more money selling steel like I was doing, you know, before coming here and had a great insurance plan before we had to go off uh, onto Obamacare. And now this year, we're just priced out of the market altogether. But uh, I think you can keep your doctor. Uh, yeah, we can keep the doctor. We just pay him cash. And he gives us 30% off for doing so. So that's all right. <laughs> Chicago uh, and steel. I bet that's doing really well. Well, springboarding into Obama, you know, it's amazing. Of course, we saw this very incredible tragedy take place over the weekend shocking, horrific, senseless tragedy, Derek. But in this massacre, there's no so many incredible connections now emerging. I find it very strange. Now, several months ago, I did a show with Steve Quayle. Of course, you're familiar with Steve. And right out of the gate, we talked about how this burka-cladded nanny, she beheaded a four-year-old. She was parading this severed head through the streets of Moscow. You might have reported on that. Yeah. And shouting Allah Akbar. And you know what was funny? Well, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic was it was absolutely crickets chirping in the mainstream media reporting on it. Everything from, again, having a bad hair day to deeply disturbed. The exact same narrative 
let's not call it radical Islam. Derek, do you find that repeat narrative interesting? Yeah, it uh, certainly from the the president and the uh, departments of government that are connected to the administrative or the executive branch of government. Um, the FBI seems a little more willing. They they called it terrorism almost right off the bat. But then, of course, the story came out that uh, uh, Omar Mateen had been interviewed by the FBI two or three times for links to um, suspected terrorists, including a, a young man who attended the same mosque in Fort Pierce, Florida, who is believed to be the first American suicide bomber in Syria. Um, the president won't say Islamic terror. Hillary Clinton did say it after Donald Trump made a, a, a big deal of, of pushing the two of them to do it. Uh, Hillary is now saying radical Islamism because it's politically expedient for her to do so. Uh, Hillary has is, is realized that it's, it's politically dangerous to avoid the, uh, the subject of radical Islam at this point. In fact, it was announced late Sunday, early Monday, that she was canceling a planned campaign event with the president in Green Bay, Wisconsin, on Wednesday of this week because of the tragedy. Now, what, what the, the tragedy, the, the shooting, the slaughter in, in Orlando on Sunday morning has to do with a campaign event in, in Green Bay on Wednesday, I don't know, except for this. My hunch is that she doesn't want to be tied to the president's anti-gun stance in the run-up to the presidential election in November. Because, again, out here in flyover land, our response to the tragedy is not, gee, if nobody had guns, this wouldn't have happened. The response, right or wrong, I'm not, you know, arguing that it's either right or wrong, but I think the response of most people out here in the heartland is, you know, if I had had a gun, I wouldn't have been a victim. Or if any of those people in Orlando at that club had had a gun, they might not have died. Yeah, that's so right. she's changing her tech because it's not politically expedient, but they are downplaying the Muslim connection. Definitely. Yes. And they're not just downplaying the Muslim connection, but they're really back on the gun grab. I mean, you listen to these sound bites from Obama the very first day. He made it the perfect opportunity to make it about the gun grabs. You've heard the clips. Comment on that. Well, again, that's a very simplistic uh, rationale. I mean, you know, look at look at uh, communist China where guns are outlawed and they've had a rash over the last four or five years, which barely makes a blip in the media over here of men going into um, elementary schools with axes or, or knives and attacking children. They've had, they've had a number of school attacks over there using uh, edged weapons. Yeah. So you don't have guns, used edged weapons. I mean, the point is not the gun. The point is the religion that says death to the infidels and especially death to homosexuals. Yes, if you want to kill somebody, you're going to find a way. Timothy LaVey used fertilizer. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we don't ban spoons because people are fat, right? You know, I think, I think <laughs> exactly. there's, there's that correlation here that, you know, you got to look at the history and all these ruthless dictators. Well, what did they all have in common? They all took the guns off the people before they initiated mass massacres. And they would really love to disarm the people for complete totalitarian subjugation here. Well, sure, they would love for the uh, the, the populace to be unarmed. The, the whole point of a well-regulated militia, according to the Constitution, was not just to defend the nation against uh, what they perceived as enemies at the time. And, and, you know, let's be honest, George Washington was a pragmatist. The reason they gave free land on the frontier to veterans of the revolution was because they needed guys who could fight to uh, shoot the Native Americans who were trying to take back their land. But um, it, it was also because they recognized that uh, the government could be a force of tyranny. They were less than 100 years, or just over 100 years removed from the English Civil War. 
you know, the days of Oliver Cromwell. So they, they knew very well what governments were capable of. And they recognized that a well-armed populace was a protection against a tyrannical government. Absolutely. Well, and now there's another twist to this whole charade, and it's the G4S. Of course, now we see this morning their shares drop by $282 million, so they're taking a plunge. But what's come out now is such a twisting of the facts. I don't even know if we'll ever get the truth. This narrative has been twisted for the progressives in, in media out there because it doesn't fit what they, they wanted to portray. The social justice editor for the New York Daily News, Sean King, who, who ironically is uh, passed himself, he's, he's a white kid from Kentucky who passed himself off as black to get a, uh, a scholarship to Morha- uh, Morehouse University from right. uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Um, first of all, tried to declare that uh, Omar Mateen was not a good Muslim. Uh, which turns out not to be the case. His co-workers remember him as being very devout, bringing a prayer mat to work. He also then made the comment that if you banned white men, we could eliminate 70% of the mass shootings in, in America, which, of course, you know, Omar Mateen wow. is, you know, uh, uh, born from par- uh, of parents from Afghanistan. So that doesn't fit either. Now it's come out that the the laws, any gun control law, really would not have stopped Mateen from doing what he wanted to do because he was a an employee for this uh, the world's largest private security contractor, a company that, by the way, uh, has a contract with the Department of Homeland Security to guard 90% of America's nuclear power plants. Yes. And there's another aspect of this story we'll get to in, in a little bit regarding immigration. But it, it doesn't fit the narrative that the liberal media wants to portray, that this was an angry white Christian. Of course, this hasn't stopped some liberal media outlets for trying to blame conservative Christians for this anyway. It's also come out that Mr. Mateen, in spite of complaints about him, by coworkers as racist, misogynist, abusive, and unstable, retained his position with G4S for um, like the last, uh, I think, eight or nine years. He, he's, uh, let's see, doing math in my head. It was nine years because he had his fifth anniversary in 2012. A security guard with access to weapons and weapons training was, of course, able to buy the weapons that he used in the attack, apparently, in Orlando last week. And in spite of being investigated by the FBI twice for suspected links to known terrorists, was still able to purchase weapons. So, you know, it's not that there's a lack of laws. It's just that we are so afraid of offending the Muslim community that in spite of multiple red flags in this particular case, he was allowed to allowed to continue as a security guard, again, with access to weapons and to purchase weapons. So, you know, I don't know what you have to do in America to be denied a weapon. Uh, well, now, of course, I, I have a suspicion, and, and maybe this is going to sound racist, so forgive me for putting this out there, but I have a suspicion that if a person from another, say, demographic background had as many red flags on his record as, as Omar Mateen, he might not have been allowed to purchase a, a long gun or a, a pistol. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just, you know, maybe that's just my cynical nature speaking <laughs> up. But uh, it, it is certainly a, a puzzle that with the laws that we have on the books, that this guy was able to continue in his job, much less purchase weapons. Well, and yet you mentioned something interesting, the world's largest security firm, which recently announced it was winding down its Israel and West Bank operations. That's interesting. They screened him back in 2013 with no findings. But Derek, what's very interesting, and it took on another twist, was Hillary actually stopped the FBI from investigating this fellow. That was interesting because 
the very thing you just said. It might be not politically correct, which is, of course, what Loretta Lynch mob, as I call her, and others are really propagating and promulgating this idea that, hey, we're not going to tolerate anti-Muslim rhetoric. It's getting pretty ridiculous. But also, did you find it interesting that G4S, when you really look at what they do, that's a little nefarious right in itself, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it, uh, and I've not done a lot, a, a deep look at uh, G4S yet. Uh, I have to credit the folks at Judicial Watch and uh, the investigative journalist Paul Sperry, who has done excellent work throughout his career. He's a fellow at the Hoover Institution, columnist for New York Post, used to be the uh, Washington correspondent for WorldNet Daily. Yes. Um, and he's written a couple of uh, excellent books. He pointed out and, and raises the intriguing question, coming back to the, uh, the idea that G4S provides the security guards that protect 90% of America's nuclear plants. If they're screening those guys as well as they screened Omar Mateen, how secure are America's nuclear facilities? Furthermore, he points out the work that Judicial Watch did back in March of this year, uh, that one of the contracts that G4S has with the Department of Homeland Security is to transport hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants, and this is quoting the Judicial Watch report, from city to city inside the United States, from cities to the U.S.-Mexican border. But earlier this month, uh, Sperry reports, Judicial Watch revealed that G4S had been taking immigrants from the Mexican border in Arizona, transporting them into Phoenix, and then releasing them in Phoenix without processing them, without paperwork, without notices of, uh, to, to appear in court. And apparently this has been done at the direction of the Department of Homeland Security. So you, you just have to wonder now, why is the federal government uh, tasking G4S with this particular job, you know, just basically releasing illegals away from the Mexican border, especially ones categorized, according to the report, as OTMs, other than Mexicans? Right. Most of them presumably from Central America, but not necessarily. Ten years ago, when I was doing the daily talk show in Columbia, Missouri, I was talking about OTMs because they were an issue then for the guys in the Border Patrol. So he said, uh, you know, most of these are coming from Central and South America, but there are others who are clearly Middle Eastern. Yeah, I agree. And all the facts are very contradictive. Oh, first it was a lone wolf gunman, and now there's all these other connections, but they cannot get their facts straight. Well, we can say one man in, in Florida, but uh, actually that's not accurate. There, there were eyewitness accounts that came out early after the incident in Orlando indicating there were at least there was at least one other conspirator, possibly another shooter. There was an eyewitness who was... Uh, talking to a, a, a television host at one point and described somebody who was apparently trying to hold the doors to the Pulse nightclub closed so that people couldn't exit the building, uh, indicating that this guy was collaborating, it was part of the attack. Um, the uh, television station in Orlando, and I'm going to forget the call letters now, but the, one of the television stations, or Channel 9, I believe, has uh, reported that police are expecting to make an arrest of a, uh, a second suspect in the attack. So at least the mainstream media there is reporting that uh, this is not a lone wolf. And Reuters, interestingly, ran a story that's contradicting the narrative that we keep hearing about lone wolves radicalized online, which again is the story that we're hearing about Omar Mateen from the White House. He was radicalized online. The Reuters story says, no, the accurate term really for all of these guys uh, like Mateen and others who have been stopped before they could commit acts of terror 
is not lone wolf, but wolf dens. They don't work alone. There are cells that are collaborating, but the media, the government keeps pushing this idea that there are lone wolves. It's, well, like Lee Harvey Oswald was a a lone nut, a lone gunman. Uh, It's the lone gunman is a myth. He always, according to Reuters, and, and, and again, I just find this interesting that this is coming from a mainstream media news source. The lone gunman always has help. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Waleed Shubat's been reporting on this, many others, warning that this is coming to America. This has been predicted. They're not just rampaging through other parts of the world. It's coming to our soil. We've been warned about this. I talked with Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, uh, the author of the book Never Submit, and uh, just had a brief conversation with him. But his comment was this was not only unexpected, it was really predicted. I mean, if you know anything at all about what Islam truly teaches and the ideology, the theology of the Islamic State, this kind of thing is to be expected. They are not hijacking Islam. They are trying to return Islam to a purer form, the way it was lived under the Prophet Muhammad. And again, the 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 narrative just doesn't fit what what the White House and what the liberal punditry wants it to fit. And it's interesting seeing some cracks in in the major media, like the Reuters story and and like the uh, a television station in Florida, um, because we've seen other incidents like this in the past where other eyewitness accounts have been squashed and silenced. And no, no, it was just a lone nut disregarding eyewitness accounts of other people perhaps involved in in the tragedy. You mentioned the uh, the Oklahoma City bombing uh, with Tim LaVey. Uh, there, there was a second man, John Doe number two. Yes. Uh, I'm going to forget her last name, but Dana was the name of the journalistic, uh, the, the journalist from Oklahoma City. Um, who wrote a book about uh, that gentleman. But the, the, the official story is that LeVay only had, uh, what, the one accomplice, Terry Nichols, yep. instead of the others who eyewitnesses reported. And there are other events that, uh, where, where there perhaps have been more people involved than the official story. But here, at least, there is, seems to be some confirmation that there was more than just Omar Mateen involved in this. And the mosque that he attended in Fort Pierce, Florida, the Islamic Center of Fort Pierce, if it isn't under close scrutiny after this event, then there really is something going on at the very highest level of the uh, the government. Mateen, the reason he was interviewed by the FBI previously, because another attendee of the mosque, uh, a, a gentleman named Moner Muhammad Abu Salah, yeah. was, was the kid who blew himself up in, in Syria, and he was a, uh, a member of the same mosque. So, no, the idea that Mateen was radicalized online, clearly false. He was radicalized in a group and perhaps in that group at the mosque in Fort Pierce, Florida. The other aspect of this story that the uh, liberal media really hasn't picked up on that is being widely reported now uh, is that uh, Mateen himself, you know, contrary to his father's statements that he was upset at seeing men kissing one another in front of his child, um, th- there are multiple reports from people who survived the attack of the club that said he was a regular at the club. We've seen him here for three years. He was using gay dating apps. Omar Mateen was himself a homosexual. So the narrative that, that we're supposed to buy, that somehow white conservative Christians are responsible for the violence against the LGBT community in this attack in Orlando, it, it just holds absolutely no water. And yet there are some in the liberal punditry that are twisting themselves and logic into knots to try to somehow blame people like uh, you know, Mike Huckabee and, uh, 
for for what happened in in Orlando. It was actually frightening how many LGTB and, of course, Black Lives Matter got involved in saying, well, you Christians, you just, you invoke hate in everyone. So, you know, you very Christians, you're just sighing a relief because you didn't do this, but you secretly want to kill gays. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't surprised to see it at all. It's, it, you know, it's it just more conviction of my belief that being a liberal means never having to worry about cognitive dissonance. <laughs> you got to love liberals and Democrats. Omar Mateen, not surprisingly, was a registered Democrat. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not surprising. Well, let's look at, you know, whether it's Arab Spring back in 2011, whether it's Malik Obama, he's in charge of the finances and arms procurement for the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, it's funny during his tenure in office, Obama has been strangely silent on his half-brother that's kind of one of the progenitor architects of the Muslim Brotherhood. Then you've got, of course, Valerie Jarrett. We know her background. Mm -hmm. So you've really got this, well, again, Valerie Jarrett, his trusted senior White House advisor, this is who's running the White House, and her father-in-law was a known commie agitator under investigation by the U.S. government. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up, Derek. No, no. It uh, it, it reads like the sequel to The Manchurian Candidate is is how this comes across. It's yeah. unbelievable. And, and again, the the fact that the left can can somehow look at this this tragedy in Orlando, and of course they'll they'll point to the outliers, those that are outside the bounds of of biblical Christianity, um, like the, the heretics at the Westboro Baptist Church uh, of the Westboro Baptist Church. And then there's another fellow who, um, whose name escapes me in the church, uh, preaching in, in a church in Arizona about how God was celebrating the uh, death of the, uh, the 49 people at the, at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Pastor Stephen Anderson. Stephen Anderson, thank you. The, these people are not Christians. They are not Christians because they are not following the teachings of Christ. Look, I've got a Chicago Cubs baseball cap. I wear it periodically. That does not make me a major league baseball player. Okay? <laughs> People who don't follow the teachings of Christ and call themselves Christian are no more Christian than I am a third baseman in the National League. But those are the people that liberals will point to and say, see, these are, these are the Christians, and Christians are responsible for this kind of hatred. And, and so he was just responding to that. I'm sorry. That carries no water, and we as Christians need to stand up. First of all, reject the folks at Westboro Baptist yes. and Pastor Anderson and his congregation and say, you do not represent us. You are not Christian, and suggest you get back into the Word. Now, God does love us all, but having said that, I am never going to presume that I can redefine what God called an abomination as a uh, an acceptable lifestyle choice. But God created us all with free will, and that includes the free will to make some really bad choices. And it is not up to me to take away the free will of someone to accept Jesus Christ before their time on earth has expired. And that is exactly what Omar Mateen did. Apparently, and and, you know, I'm no psychologist, but I'm going to play psychoanalyst here for just a moment. His apparent self-loathing and adherence to a religion that calls for the extermination of homosexuals culminated in tragedy that is affecting the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people in Orlando. And people like the Westboro Baptists and, and Pastor Anderson, and I'll put the word pastor in air quotes, are making things worse. They are becoming a stumbling block to any of those people related to one of the victims of the or one of the injured in Orlando coming to the gospel of Jesus Christ because they are portraying God as vindictive, unforgiving, and murderous to those who disagree. 
That is not the God of the Bible. There is a day coming when he's going to say, time's up, and now we're going to execute judgment on the planet. But this is not that day, and I am not his sword. And anyone who claims to be a Christian who says that God advocates that kind of behavior is not a Christian. Now, having said that, I will, at the risk of being politically incorrect, say this as well. No one has ever accused the members of Westboro Baptist or Pastor Anderson of actually taking up a gun against homosexuals. That has been reserved for the followers of Islam. In some cases, uh, governments of Islamic nations who do put homosexuals to death. And again, the, the, the fact that the liberal punditry is still seeing this act of this devout Muslim as somehow the fault of conservative Christians is just absolutely mind-boggling. Yes, mind-boggling is the operative word here. And I've had Pastor Stephen Anderson on my show in the past, and regrettably, when I saw what he was promulgating about homosexuals, wow. Yeah, that's not going to lead anybody to Christ, that kind of hatred. But I'll tell you what is the bottom line here is Islam has no answers. They don't have salvation. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. God himself says this. The living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the only answer to all this devilish bondage. And I always say, Derek, there's really only two religions, Christianity and paganism. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Christianity and everything else. Uh, And right. And I just want to reemphasize the point that you just made, uh, that I, I reject the notion that violence is an acceptable response to to homosexuality. Uh, that, that is completely uh, 180 degrees opposed to, to what I believe. I, I have friends who are gay. I have uh, I have no problem associating with them and uh, and fellowshipping with them. Um, I, I disagree with how they choose to define their lifestyle, but it is not for me to take away. You know, it, it is not for me to compel. I mean, Jesus never called his disciples ever to compel anyone by force. Uh, and again, any Christian who claims that uh, God justifies or rationalizes or agrees or, or accepts the kind of violence that took place in Orlando n- needs to repent of that, get back into the in, into the word. You know, n- there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm certainly not going to earn my way to heaven. None of us are. Again, it's just just mind-boggling that there are people out there who will claim to be Christian and and who will advocate for violence against people who differ in their interpretation of uh, what God wants of them. It's going to get worse if we continue to be blind, willfully blind, to what Islam teaches and what those who are very devout Muslims uh, at its purest form, as taught by the Islamic State, the threat that they pose to just to civil order, to to being able to live peaceably in our homes. I'm not concerned with with making America a, a Christian nation. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think theologically we can just look at the, uh, the the beliefs held by those coming out of seminary today, where according to Barna, less than half of the pastors graduating from seminary actually have a biblical worldview. Uh, we're not going to reclaim America when the pastors, you know, we're not we're not even holding on to our churches. Yeah. But just from a, a just a, the standpoint of of wanting my children and grandchildren to have a peaceful place in which to live and and love and enjoy life. (laughs) We we have to do something as a society about the, uh, the threat posed by Islam. Yes, sir. Couldn't agree more with that. And with that, you ended on a perfect note. 
Derek, in the waning moments, I would like you to give out your information, how people can tune in to you every day, your website, the shows, and also you and I have contributed to Tom Horn's new book coming out, When Once We Were a Nation. I believe that release is July 4th. My chapter was ironically loss of liberty, so gun control was included in that. And I'm having both Tom and Chris come on the show tomorrow. That's going to be great. But Derek, do give out your website and how they can tune into your shows. Well, we post everything that we do at skywatchtv.com. That's all one word, skywatchtv.com. And then from there, you can find the Skywatch TV YouTube channel. If you have a Roku set-top box, we have a Skywatch TV channel for Roku where everything is posted. My website is DerekPGilbert.com, and I'll post just about everything that uh, I do or that Sharon and I do together to that website. That's D-E-R-E-K-P-G-I-L-B-E-R-T, DerekPGilbert.com. And um, from, from those two places, you can find all the various and sundry websites where we, we post things. Again, thank you for all the work that you and your wife do, Derek. I think in this in these perilous times, we certainly, I mean, I used to laugh and say, you know, we'd have a big story maybe once a month, and now you can barely keep up to the headlines every minute. <laughs> exactly. But uh, this is uh, what I was uh, you know, created to do. I, like I said, this is, this is my perfect job. So uh, it's been an honor to be on your program. We appreciate your work and uh, your diligence in uh, keeping a watch. And, uh, and Sharon told me that I'd better remember to say hi and look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Derek, and thanks to Sharon, too. Folks, that was Derek Gilbert from Skywatch TV. His information is linked there on the June 15th, 2016 Wednesday bio at com. Skywatch TV, I cannot say enough about it. I can't say enough about Tom Horn, the renowned Dr. Tom Horn, who subsequently is going to be on the program tomorrow. And I'm hoping that Chris Putnam will join him too on their new book. I'm really looking forward to that. But either way, Dr. Tom Horn will be on the program tomorrow. And that you're not going to want to miss. And then Friday, the one and only, you all love her. She's a regular minister. Carla Butad is here for a very powerful teaching. You're not going to want to miss that. Thank you very much for tuning into the program today. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.